your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast, ATP. James here, joined as always by Alex and Ryan, following Everton's 1-0 loss to Brentford, the Bees. Brentford earned their first home league win and first home league clean sheet since the opening day of the season. Everton are winless in seven Premier League games, the longest run since 2016. Under Bobby Brown, choose Roberto Martinez. And despite the defeat, we're going to end on maybe some good news. Everton restricted Brentford to just six shots in this match. Lowest faced in an away Premier League game since November 2019, almost two full years ago against Southampton. That said, it was a loss in a match that looked incredibly winnable, especially considering the fixtures Everton have awaiting them. But we'll go to instant match reactions and we'll go to Alex first. Listen. It is an absolute disappointment. It's a failure, to be honest, for Everton Football Club and the players and the fans. We know we have a really tough December coming up. We are winless in, you said, seven matches in a row. Everton needed something, and we got nothing, which I think was extremely disappointing. How do you feel about it, Ryan? I don't think we were that bad defensively. I think we were pretty good. Almost every one of those chances came from set pieces but yeah we just lacked invention on offense we, we they conceded possession a lot and Rafa Ball doesn't do very well with that and I think that was fairly fairly obvious um, we did have some people that got the scores right which was nice to see unfortunately though it went the other way you can tell like a normally fairly optimistic bunch on discord has started to turn slightly especially when we look at some of the score predictions right now for the derby yeah, it's pretty grim, but we do have to give credit to the people who predicted it on the Discord. If you want to join the Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. We'll get you in. It is, by and large, a very good community, and we'll give a shout-out to Adam Persilli and Caramel Crunch 10 for both predicting the 1-0 loss, as painful as it may be. Props to you guys for seeing this unfortunate event ahead of time. Now we'll go into the lineups for the match, and we'll start with Everton. Alex, take it away. So this was, to be honest, better a better lineup than we could have anticipated, especially after last week's match, right? We knew Richarlison got his fifth re- uh, yellow card, excuse me, so he was not going to be involved either way. But we got a surprise addition in Ducore. He was deemed match fit. He was, he was training this week, albeit just this week, and he's able to get the start. So that was a, that was a big question mark as to what, who was going to play in midfield, where were we going to go with two or three? Uh, This time around, it ended up being two. And then we had the front four. This one was definitely pretty much nailed on based on, as we said, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Loon staying out. We had Gordon, Townsend, Iwobi, and Rondon. Naturally, something that we've been hitting on the last couple weeks has been who should be at the second striker role, who should be left, who should be right. We had Gordon, Iwobi, and Townsend there. So that was the big question. Will or was Iwobi going to be at second striker role? Would he be outside? Um, would Townsend look better on the inside or the outside? Now we saw Sims and Dobbin on the bench. A lot of shouts for them playing over Salomon Rondon. It was probably, in my opinion, a good move um, to stick with Rondon. And we'll kind of go into his performance overall. But 
either way, the question, you know, generally speaking was, you know, are we going to play a, a 4-2-3-1, a 4-4-1-1? Um, and that, that kind of ended up, well, we'll go into that into more detail on the, uh, on the tactical setup. But Ryan, over to you for how Brentford lined up. Yeah, I even had hopes that we might go back to that 4-3-3 and defending in a 4-1-4-1. Um, Brentford lined up as you would expect, three in the back. Um, Good made back made his way back in the lineup, and that's important for them because he's really tall and really big, and they have just massive bodies in the back. I mean, Good's probably 6'4", 6'5", Pinnock's 6'2", and can jump. Uh, Jansen's 6'4", probably, and even Norgard, their defensive mid's about 6'2". Uh, and Yelka came back in, too. He's a good player. Uh, he's a big guy, too. So in set pieces, there was some fear going into this one, for sure. I've seen them do some tricky stuff, too, where they'll play low balls kind of in behind those guys to someone at the top of the 18 for an immediate shot. Uh, almost always, they'll put one of the big bodies, interestingly enough, into the goalie and really try and shove Pickford back into the goal. We saw that a little bit as well. Um, and it could be 3-5-2, could be 3-4-2-1, which they've done uh, recently. But either way, you know, it's going to be kind of that in the back. Um, and I, I thought it was going to be interesting to see how we countered with them. And Alex, you asked the questions, you know, is it going to be 4-2-3-1, Rafa's favorite formation uh, for real this time? Or was it going to be that 4-4-1-1 that I, I don't think any of us like with this personnel defending in 4-4-2? And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. And it was good that I think Awobi was finally down the middle. But again, too often you've got Solomon Ronan dropping back and Awobi running in behind him. So it really wasn't... I really think this personnel does better in the four-two-three-one with the Wobie or someone behind Rondon to take the ball once he's won it, won it backwards, and start that quick transition. Now, I recognize that Rondon doesn't have the pace to get up the pitch and kind of get on the end of crosses if we're going to attack rapidly through the counter, but that's okay. There are slow guys in the back here. You want to hit him in more transition and try and beat him and score direct. You know, I was hoping we'd see Anthony Gordon dashing off like I could see Ronda knocking it for a Wobie Wobie hitting it out to Anthony Gordon running at I think good was kind of on the right side um I think the other problem too with this formation is when you're putting a Wobie back you're losing a guy in midfield so it wasn't surprising that we started off the match and we'll get in the timeline a little bit struggling in possession because you knew Brentford would pressure to some extent they might not high pressure although they did some of that but but you knew they would and, and I think James when when you look into the average positions it was very obvious. I mean, the fact that you had a Wobi playing higher, and we're defending in a four four two, so I, that's not the reason why it would look higher because these things are normally based on touches. But when you have a Wobi getting more touches ahead of Solomon Rondon, I don't think that's necessarily the best use and the best combination of this personnel. And I think, in particular, when you look on the left side, knowing how much we attacked on the right, at least up front, there's some spaces in there that just. It's not an optimal use of space, and it's not surprising to me that we struggled both in possession as well as quality of chances. Yeah, I think that's that's an extremely fair assessment. And again, we'll talk about the average position. <clears throat> you really needed that extra body in midfield, and you have yeah. a Wobie's average position ahead of Rondon. And we've talked about, you know, Rondon can't get up and down like Dominic Calvert-Lewin can, and, but you still want him, in theory, leading the line and letting the guys... <laughs> run beyond him maybe wide, but you you don't really want Alex Awobi relying purely on his pace. He's got to knock it down to passing. someone. You know, he's got to knock exactly. it down to someone. And it's and it's not Decore and it's not Alon because they're playing more defensively. And then you look at the space wide, as you said. I mean, the, the attack ended up being fairly balanced with, I think, especially early on, a, a tendency to go to the right, yeah. favor the right heavily. Um, but the, the, there's just too much, almost too much width in this this average positioning where Dean and Gordon are 
end up being pretty isolated as well as Townsend and Coleman on the right-hand side. So there really wasn't a whole lot of cohesion in attack, and we didn't see a, a whole lot of pace. Anthony Gordon, a couple of times early, was able to make some some strong runs, get out and run at the slow back line of Brentford. But too often it was slow, slow buildup and not really looking to be incisive, which is where Everton have found most of their success this season. And again, you talk about opportunities to actually score. Brentford were, were struggling for real chances besides the brief spell that they had after the, the penalty, which we'll talk about shortly. Everton ended up with the majority of the chances, but really struggled to, to find the back of the net, of course. And, you know, 30% of our shots coming from outside the box, 70% from inside the 18. Brentford, on the other hand, got 83% of their chances inside the 18, none inside the six. So it was a, uh, I, I think the reaction is more to the result rather than the actual style of play, but there were concerns on uh, across the board, I think, even despite that. I, I think going into the timeline, I, I think that shape was one of the reasons why I think in the first you know, 20, 25 minutes we really struggled to keep the ball and struggled to really generate any offense. We were clearly forcing it down the right, which is fine that you had to Corey there to support. But I think the left is considerably more dangerous, and I think Gordon is the right person to stretch the defense considering who was available. And so you just see this gap where there's no one there in attack to support that side. So it's just Gordon and Dean, you know, and, and two on two at best there. If Awobi's deeper, he can at least slide over and support them. Again, I think our shape's better in a 4-3-3, although Alon can't push up higher at that point because we've had issues with that gap in between lines. And I think as a result, Alon was a little more disciplined today at times. But yeah, so looking early in the match, you know, we struggled with the ball. Their pressure got to us. And they got some chances, mostly offset pieces, but even then we never looked that comfortable with the ball. I mean, in the 20th minute, you had a big chance where Pick was forced in deep. You had a big chance off a corner. Um, and then we had an immediate response where in, in a counter situation, Gordon was very direct, flying up the pitch. And, and that's what you want against these guys. They've got these massive guys that when they bunker in, they're going to be tough to break down. He had a great first touch over to Rondon on a cross. Pardon me, a left-footed cross, Rondon. Left foot, left foot, first touch, and, and the shot got blocked. But it was a, a great first touch, and you're thinking, yes, this is what we need to do. And then sure enough, they came right around, had a corner, and boom. It looked like it was innocuous, nothing really happened. It was kind of behind the play, and then they go to VAR. And any question on this one, guys? What do you thought? No, I mean, I, I, when you watch it on replay, right, like Townsend has his leg up probably almost at his own head height. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, the Brentford player kind of ran into it, but at the same time, though, it's... He's leaned down a little bit. Cut. Like, you can't... You know what I mean? You, the foot met the face, and that, that's pretty obvious. Uh, it's just unfortunate that the call was there, and, you know, you're sitting there thinking to yourself as it's being taken by Tony, please pick for just save one penalty. Like, if we need one penalty saved this whole season, this <clears> is the one, and unfortunately, it did not end up being the case. Tony's pretty good from the spot. Yeah, and he, he froze Pickford. And, and just in regard to the call, I mean, it's it's about as clear-cut as you can get. I don't think it's a malicious thing, and, and rightfully so, no one was carded in the aftermath, but you, you just can't get have your foot that high. Make contact with the face. You make the guy bleed. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. If the shoe's on the other foot, we're screaming out for that. So it, it's not an unfair call, but it was by no means the uh, the only time the referee's decision-making came into question on the day. Uh, Townsend has to have more awareness there. It reminded me so much of the corner that Andre gave up against Newcastle where we were dominating the game and not that we were dominating at this point, but you felt like this was still, we were probably a little better than these guys or at least got a chance to get three points and that happens and it's like, 
everything changes. Um, and it's not like it was a, a goal-saving opportunity. No, it was no. a, a nothing play right. that you just give give them something out of nothing and changes the entire course of the match. I mean, at least he got kicked in the face. I can't blame you. Know, it wasn't Callum Wilson diving like he got shot. Right. So, um, and, and the funny part, you look at it after the penalty. I mean, for the rest of the half, I mean, we were 87% pass completion rate and over 60% possession. So, but we didn't create that much. And that was the thing. We clearly took care of the ball. So Brentford were conscientiously packing it in. I mean, and, and forcing us to do what? To cross the ball. We had 31 crosses today. And that's not a recipe for success against a back line that averages like 6-4. You know, and a defensive mid that can drop back in, in as well. It's just not, not going to work. And again, though, we had some chances right away. I mean, right after that, we had another almost identical situation where Dean got deep, made a great cross, low cross. Rondon went left to left, hit a decent shot that was just saved by the left foot of Fernandez, which was a fortunate save, I think, and not a bad effort by Solomon Rondon. Another good first touch. and But, you know, right away, Brentford came back, had a breakaway in on pick pretty much. I mean, he kind of fumbled the ball and it worked out. Then they had a half half chance on a throw. Um, then they had another big chance later on a cross. And, and, and look, I mean, the game was pretty wide open at that point. They weren't calling any fouls. Finally, they called one and Dean flew one into the stands. It seemed really, really open. Then it kind of settled down. And then a very strange situation happened right before half that I, I think this was a seminal moment of the match. And I, I I cannot believe they didn't go to VAR. I want to hear everyone's take on it. Um, this was a huge opportunity. DeCorey had a shot. I don't. I mean, maybe it was a TV angle that made it seem like more than just an innocuous play. But I thought this was a significant moment. I can't believe they didn't go to VAR on this one. Yeah, I mean, on the right-hand side, Townsend swings a cross in, right? Ducore is running into the box, and he gets on the end of the cross with a header. And next thing you know, it kind of smacks Rondon in the chest as he's trying to hold off the center back, you know, back-facing goal. But when you look at it on the review, you see that Rondon's being held, but not only held, I mean, his shirt's being pulled, like, obnoxiously far. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like a, it's not like a grab. It's like, you want to see this man shirtless, right? And yes. and that right there, I think. Who's you? Show us, show us, Salomon. Show us. But nonetheless, uh, he has been boxing. I heard so that that could have been a, a show in itself. But he More did a great job. Boxing. He did a great job shoving the center forward back enough to create space for Decore behind right. him to come in and hit it. But to that point, I mean, he's all over him. I cannot believe it's. It was so gratuitous, though, Alex. To your point that. I could see it being called. I mean, you know, normally you don't see the shirt lifted halfway up someone's back. And we saw the match earlier this season when Dominic Calvert-Lewin was getting his shirt yeah. basically ripped off. And, and he went down. And, and I put this out in a tweet, but it's like the refs just incentivize this diving. Because if Rondon goes down and flails his arms in the air, you have to imagine he's much more likely to get the call. Or at least look when at he stays it. Strong. Or at least a look right. at it. At least take it to, to the review. It doesn't even get reviewed. And so to, to me, that's just a complete oversight and a failure of the, the VAR system in general to not even look at it. If you look at it in slow-mo and decide, okay, whatever, that that's one thing. But to not even review it is a, a huge miss, in my opinion. And I think we had a, a good case for a penalty there, which would have, again, changed the game dramatically going into the and second And he's a handful. I mean, you know, he has strength for sure, even if he doesn't have the pace anymore. So that's pretty much what you have to do against him. But I almost feel like they're holding it against him because he's strong. I mean, I, right. I, you can't let a guy do that. He was in great position. He's entitled to be in that position, and I think you got to protect the guy a little bit on that one. That being said, we go into halftime, and I think OG Shill from our Discord captured it very well. Um, number one, ref's terrible. And, and 
I'd be remiss to mention that we've mentioned on several pods again this whole emphasis on letting them play stuff in the Premier League. And I don't know who this is catering to, but the average fan, I'm sorry, the matches have gotten ugly at times. And I thought this one was no exception. I felt like we had several times where we were fouled, and maybe it's our fault for not playing through stuff, and we did in just a little bit in the second half. But I don't think this is good for the Premier League. The Premier League is better to be fast-paced, open, exciting, sloppy. Yeah, that's pretty typical. That's the Premier League for it. But it takes away from the excitement. You say, well, it slows it down by calling the fouls. Well, some of these are fouls. They're fouls. And and honestly, one of the reasons why we weren't creating any chances is you turn a corner on a guy and he just kind of plows you over, shoves you with your arm. That's not good defense. And you're not gonna you're not gonna create as many goal scoring chances this way. So I, I don't know. That's that's my take. Um Actually, let's comment on that for a little bit. I knew we were going to hit the refereeing a little bit later, but I, I thought that the referee let this thing get completely out of hand, and we'll get into all the garbage that happened in, you know, in the later in the second half, but I, I thought the first half was poorly officiated and never seemed to get any better. Yeah, it's just a continuing downward spiral. It seems like every week we're talking about major decisions miss, and not just like one-off decisions here or there, but consistently yeah. letting games get away from them and refusing to assert themselves. And maybe that's what they want. And you, you really don't want to see the referee making themselves a center of attention. Cause I think that's been the critique of the past, but there's a balance there between keeping, holding the players accountable and making sure that, you know, the game can maintain some sort of flow and that you're, you're protecting player safety and all these sorts of things. Um, and so, yeah, the, the refereeing just, it the seems other like leagues don't look this way. It's kind of my, point. Right. like when you're watching the Bundesliga and you're watching Ligoon and those things, it's, it's, these are fouls. And it's, I mean, clearly, maybe we're not adjusting as well as some others, but I just, anyway, yeah, I'd be remiss to say it, James. I think you nailed it. Uh, let's talk about the formation a little bit, too. I, I just don't like that four four one one. We've talked about why. It, it hasn't worked. I don't understand why he continually sticks with it, and what upsets me a little bit is you're still not changing for your personnel. I don't see how someone could look at that and think that Awobi shouldn't play a little bit deeper. It's not playing to his strong suit, and I think that made a big difference in the first half I don't know what you guys thought about it. Alex, you talked about when the lineup came out what we what we were expecting. I mean, I think this team personnel sets up better for a four two three one rather than this four four one one. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean it's pretty clear, right? It just at a, in a very simplistic way, just looking at who you're playing at up top with Salomon Rondon, you need someone there to knock the ball down with. We also know that Awobi is good operating in tight spaces. He's not the quickest off the jump, but he's good operating in tight spaces. He can turn pretty quickly. Um, he can link up play when, when he's yeah. in the right places. Um, so you feel that, you know, just based on, on, on personnel and the strengths of the, of the two players at striker and then, you know, the proposed attacking midfield position that we're talking about, um, it seems like that would be, you know, that, that would be written in stone, ideally. Yeah, and I would have liked to see a little more from Alex at times today, but when he did drop back a little bit, danger, you know, he was dangerous at times. There was a couple moments of, of class. He had a couple shots on goal. He almost scored in the left. We'll get to that. But anyway, OG Shill, his other comment was, get Gray on for Anthony Townsend for as long as he can handle. And I agree, Townsend was terrible in the first half. And then why, why, why are we still attacking more with Coleman than Dean? It's crazy. And I think it speaks to the formation a little bit and how Wobie's being used. You've got DeCorey there to support Townsend and Coleman, but you've got no one else to support Gordon and, and Dean on that left side if you're playing in this formation. And I think that's why the four three three is more natural. Um, but look, at the end of the first half, I mean, we had some possession more than we've had most of the time. We outshot them six to four, but they had three on target, and they had the goal and had another pretty big chance or two. I mean, I thought it was pretty much a stalemate. Um, 
But I thought the second half would play out a little bit differently. I, I, I don't know. I mean, other than the chance they got immediately in the 46 off the throw, I mean, it was all Everton, but we just didn't have that quality in the final third. And, and you said to yourself, I mean, we 79% of the match was played in the middle third or in their third. And so it's really just a matter of what you do when you've got the ball in those positions. I mean, I, and we had chances here, but... I don't. It was nice seeing the fiftieth minute with Canos finally got his yellow card. That was a freaking miracle. Um, that was yeah. But then we had a sequence the of chances in there in like the mid fifties, but never none of them quite came off. Yeah, it looked just a very disjointed, and even when we were able to get balls in dangerous positions, the execution wasn't quite there. Like Static, Coleman had the kind of predictable. Yeah, you know, you had Coleman chipping across, and and Rondon actually hits it really well for clearance, clearance right later yeah. yeah and he gets a decent hit on it but gets blocked uh just again there's too many bodies back there for brent brentford able to disrupt yeah. play and then decore with the fabian delf-esque whiff on a coleman <laughs> oh, uh, nice. cross had to do that little underhanded shot there uh on a great coleman cross and then it falls to a Wobi who has a again a really good chance but uh ends up firing it directly at the keeper i believe um and that was sort of the theme for the remainder of the half. We had the ball in dangerous positions and just looked relatively clueless as to how to break Brentford down. And they were pretty resolute in their shape. We resorted to just at points firing crosses in aimlessly. And some of them actually were pretty dangerous. But again, you get no one on the end of the the cross to finish it. And massive gaps, I think, again, between the front line and the midfield. I mean, some of the guys started to push up a little bit better, but... You know, Alon pushing up is not good if he doesn't have support from Decore, and there just wasn't that fluidity that you would like to see. Um, and frankly, that was typical of Decore all game. I mean, he, he looked tentative. His first touch was way off. Um, yeah. he, he looked like yeah. he hadn't played much, and and that's true. So, in fact, asking him to go 90 minutes, I think, was I, I, I thought pretty pretty questionable, uh, to be honest, especially when you have other guys on, on the bench. But So let's talk about the chaos that ensued in the 65th minute. Um Injury to Brentford, laying on the ground behind the play, lots of whistling, telling Everton to kick the ball out. Finally, a Canos fouls Dean. Dean's laying on the ground like he's dead because this dude, frankly, fouled him like 15 times, or at least it felt like, um, was on a yellow as well. Jansen comes over and yells in Dean's ear, you know, and just all sorts of craziness ensues. I don't know how Rondon got a yellow on this one. I, I don't know what your guys' thoughts were about this thing. I, I, should we have kicked it out? And is this really us doing? Is this a byproduct of the refereeing? What are your thoughts? So so I look back to last week. I'm pretty sure it was last week against City. There was, an, there was a moment in time where Allen kicked the ball out of play for City in this exact same situation. And his teammates, including Coleman, came over and actually berated him for it. If I'm not mistaken, the reason why was because City did not afford us the same luxury at the moment beforehand. Now, I think usually in, in, in recent times, I feel that in that situation, you have fans whistling, booing the team, you know, Brentford's yelling at Everton. Generally speaking, we play that out. Like, we play it out of bounds. Do I think we needed to today? Not necessarily. I mean, it's good, honestly, it's it's good at some point just to see Everton, you know, taking the hard route, not being just like the nice guys, as we always are, generally speaking, on the pitch. Um, you know, there's no rule that says we have to kick it out. 
and I think that you know in the end when when they got even further upset, I think obviously that fueled the the foul on Dean. Um, you know, it, it was just kind of obnoxious to be honest. Rondon probably shouldn't have gotten yellow either, right? All he did was just stand up to Jansen, who was in Dean's face on the ground. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's refreshing to see Everton have that little bit of um, toughness about them and, and refusal to be the nice guys. Just be like, oh, sure. Because there's you can't reward players flopping. And if it's a head injury or if there's belief that it's a serious injury, it's on the referee to stop play. That's their responsibility to control the game. Everton are down one in a must-win, essentially must-win match to... Then just when you're attacking and you're threatening and then to just play it out so that the guy who's trying probably at least partially to stop play, who knows how injured he actually was, it just, you don't want to reward that. And so I'm all for Everton having a little bit of a mean streak in them and enforcing the referee to make a decision, which he didn't make because for obvious reasons, he didn't believe that it was a severe enough injury. And so... I have no problem with it whatsoever, and, and frankly, I think. And, and I think the, the narrative was, well, Brentford had played it out when there was an Everton player injured a little bit earlier, but who cares about that? This isn't like a niceness contest. This is win at all costs, in my opinion. I don't even think it's even that, you know, dastardly, you know? He's down. <laughs> he's behind the play. He's not involved in the play. He has plenty of time to get up, dust himself off, be all right. If he's really hurt, he'll stay down. He stayed down long enough to realize that the play was continuing. So, oh, boy. I, I better get up. And I'm sorry the magic spray wasn't there available for him. Uh, no, I, this is ridiculous. I mean, I understand why you're whistling, because you're smart. You're a fan. You want to see him kick it out because it wastes time for you. Absolute garbage. Don't kick it out in this case. Don't kick it out. If it was a head injury or something that was dangerous, the referee can stop the play. It's way behind the play. He has all the time in the world to get up, get back in the play. He's not affecting the play whatsoever. No, forget it. Don't kick it out in this instance. Absolute garbage. Hog, hogwash. I'm glad we did what we did. Um, I... I just yeah no forget about that and, and frankly they were hatcheting us all game so I got right. no pro- and no and the referee was not calling or protecting our guys so he wasn't going to do us any favors anyway so forget it play the game play they can defend anyway all they were doing is packing it in at this point anyway um, unfortunately after this I mean really didn't create too much I mean Ronan had a hammered header off a cross from distance which is a half chance a Wobie, tough angle right and Wobi had another header which I mean I not I mean. He hit it up in the air. I guess it's a shot on target, but there really wasn't much invention. And and what are you guys' thoughts about not using another sub at this point? Because I thought the team looked gassed, and even if maybe the quality of someone on the bench wasn't great, it wasn't like the quality was amazing at that point. I mean, Anthony Gordon, for all he did running with the ball at times, the second he got in the final third today, he just stopped, slowed down, yeah. cut inside on his right foot, but did nothing with it. His delivery was not good. I think he was 0 for 5 in crosses. Um, really never served up anything dangerous. At one point, he finally went by someone and played one, which was great to see, and maybe it was on the Rondon half chance. But, I mean, if you're going to bring in Dobbin, he can play that position. But let's stop the Dobbin for Rondon chance. He's nothing like him. He can't play that position. If you want to say throw Ella Sims in there, I guess. But Ella Sims, again, this is a guy that's played at the League One level. He is nowhere near a complete player. He's a good finisher. Maybe he's a decent guy to come in. But I, I just don't think – I still think, though, someone, maybe in midfield as an engine, let DeCorey go 90 minutes is bad. Someone like Delphi can pass the ball better. I, you you got to put someone in there, for God's sakes. These guys were exhausted. Thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's – I think it's a bad look to be losing 0-1 to Brentford away – 
seven matches winless and you only used one sub. Obviously, there's a you know there's context to be had in all the injuries that we have specifically to attacking players. Um, so you know we did see Gray for Townsend in the 70th, which was probably you know justified. Townsend was not good at all. Um, Gray was necessary to come in. It was good that he got 20 minutes. But as you said, I mean, I don't like the idea that we only made one change. But who do we bring on? I think genuinely speaking, the only the only person I would say that could have positively affected the match would have probably have been Delph for Ducore. And even then, I mean, does that really fix our problem? I mean, are you going to see Delph like sitting at the top of the 18, like dribbling by players and like sending in a Wobi in behind because a Wobi sitting at striker? Like not. I, right. So, I mean, you know, I don't like it, but I'm not sure how it would have affected much. What about you, James? Yeah, I think people are really grasping at straws with the Sims and Dobbin narrative. Um, and rightfully so, right? I mean, we're desperate for a win. We need, it's like, do whatever you can try anything at this point. Cause I think the mentality of a lot of fans, like anything has to be better than uh, but, uh, that's... I don't subscribe to that. I don't subscribe to that mentality because you're talking about guys who are unproven. As you said, Sims has played in at league one level for Blackpool and did okay. Scored some goals. Dobbin is entirely unproven at, at the senior <laughs> level. Um, and the fact that they're on the bench in the first place is just because we have really no one else. So you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel with Rondon starting to begin with as he's our third striker option to go to your fourth and fifth option uh, as if it's somehow going to miraculously save you. I just think is a little a little bit naive, maybe uh, optimistic would be a better way to phrase if it. If they're going to... You know, just give up crosses to us. Maybe, maybe bring him on for a Wobi or something. Although I, I, I don't know. I, I just or take off to Corey, throw Wobi in there, and I, you know, we needed a goal. It wouldn't have mattered if we gave up another one, I guess. So, anyway, in the second half, you know, if you're looking back on it, the second half, I mean, we had 65 percent possession, 83 percent completion rate. So we took care of the ball. Shots were eight to three, 15 to six in aerials for us. I mean, you could tell every time they'd hoof it back out. Our defenders did a very good job stepping up and winning the ball. I thought Ben Godfrey in particular was aggressive today, as usual, but effective in that way. Uh, Keen passed the ball very well from the back, too. So it's not those guys. I thought those guys supported the attack really, really well. I just don't think we were very direct. I mean, only get one corner. Uh, you know, Coleman was trying. I mean, to his credit, he was four or five in dribbles. He was the guy that was really running at people in the second half, even if he wasn't effective in the first half. And like I said, the summary of the match was we had the ball in their half the entire half entire time and definitely the whole second half certainly after the penalty and didn't do well we, we had 31 crosses coleman was three for three he had two key passes uh he also contributed on defense four tackles two interceptions a clearance but look at the other crossing dean was one for eight townsend was three for nine and i think that's generous gordon zero for five i mean his quality you know just wasn't there today gray came in was very fast with it one for five maybe that wasn't all his fault and Rondon didn't finish, but when I was a little puzzled, I, I didn't like him taking shots instead of knocking the ball down. Um, we talked about the refereeing. I thought it was all over the place. Um, we talked about the subs, and again, the Derby's Wednesday. Maybe that's what Ralph is thinking, but let's talk about Benitez's comments after the match because I think they're very interesting and telling. So, so Ben Grounds um, does some digital work for Sky Sports. So this is what his, he quoted Benitez saying, the connection between fans and players last season wasn't great but you could see it was better at the start of this season. To bring back this connection, the fans expect the players to give everything, and they can't complain today as the players gave 
everything. Uh, he claimed, again, Rafa said, we worked hard in terms of in effort and intensity. You cannot complain is what he said. So let's talk about that. So is that true? And what is Rafa doing here? And I, I think Matt at MR3402 has has a good counter to that because I don't think his characterization of the relationship with the fans is is correct. I I totally agree. Um, I think so. MR3402 says... Even at the end of the season, the relationship was there to an extent. Games like the Derby went away really meant there was something tangible, but the link felt like one through the manager. I think that, that I think that's really reasonable. I think a lot of people, obviously Carlo Ancelotti commanded a ton of respect, and people he was able to get us some results that we hadn't been able to dream of for a very long time. I think that won a lot of people over, despite the terrible home form and you know all of the shortcomings that were apparent in some of his tactical decision making. I just think. Rafa here, um, his point of the, you know, the players ran, they worked hard. There was, but the tactical setup left a lot to be desired. And it seems like he's maybe trying to deflect some criticism away from himself. Um, which I know Ryan is, uh, definitely a supporter of this sort of theory. He's always done. Um, nothing new, but, here. but I think to say that the, the fans, the connection with the fans wasn't great. I think that's been true for a long time. I think Carlo did a lot to, to bridge some of those gaps, and Rafa coming in was always going to be fighting a losing battle in that regard just because of his past history and, and what the expectations are currently for Everton to be a modern football club. And he just, I think, categorically does not represent that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, I I think uh, I read this from Benitez as more of a of covering for the players and their lack of their lack of performance than it does maybe deflecting from himself. I mean, it could be a little bit about both, but he's talking specifically about you know, the fans' disp uh, apparent displeasure with the players and lack of connection last season, and then talks about, goes on to talk about their intention, I mean, their intensity and their effort um, today. But again, I mean, you, you could always counteract that point by saying they could give the same amount of effort in um, Division Nine amateur sport, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't mean like that's like we deserve that from a Premier League quality club, right? That just means that you can play anything unofficial. And run the same amount. Um, no, and I, I think we've gotten a lot of different perspectives from some of our listeners, which I really appreciate here that I want to go through. I would be remiss to not go to the number one Rafael Benitez uh, criticism man out there. Rafa <laughs> Benitez at Abe Southall. Uh, Abel Southall, pardon me. Um, his quote, Rafa spinning that web of chaos. See last week's America Toffee podcast for reference with the thumbs up. Thanks, buddy. Um <laughs> It's been over for weeks. It's whether the board have the cojones, I'll say. That's a better way to say it, right? Yeah. You should have heard my Spanish before the uh, podcast. It was not. <laughs> no, not, you shouldn't. No, have. you shouldn't have. Uh, you, you're not missing <laughs> sorry anything. Sorry about that. Uh, to act now and not when it's too late. We have good forwards and a very good fullback who have been neutered by his tactics. I, I think that's fair. But but there's some counters, too. I, I don't think he's wrong that the effort was there. I think Rafa's overplaying his fa hand at this point. He's saying, the connection was there with me. You know, like, whoa. I don't think we're going to buy that one. Some of the other stuff I think he's been doing very well PR-wise for his own self. But but I think the true story of this game is, all right, did we work hard? I think we did. So, Neil, 1878 at, uh, God, why do I always mess things up? Nismo Neal. Uh, effort alone won't win games. There has to be a level of skill, too. Quality is the main ingredient that's missing from this Everton team. Mark Christopher at Mark C856. We love Mark. I think the team worked hard. 
but I don't know what the best-case situation was with the players out there across into Rondon who can play it two for a shot. David Taylor at D. Taylor, 334. I agree the work rate was there, but it wasn't channeled through enough quality. So, quality, effort, I, I tend to believe probably it was more of a quality issue than effort. I, I don't know what your guys thought, but I got to admit, this next comment, I, I could see that. I don't. I, is this True Blue had a comment here that I think is a leap of faith? But I mean, I, I don't know. I want to hear your guys' take on this one too because I haven't really decided in my own mind. Um, so True Blue eighteen seventy eight at FC Banter two, he has some strong choice words for us. He said, "No period." <laughs> they played like they couldn't give an F. You, you know what that stands for? They played like a team who knew that even if they died on the pitch for him, he wouldn't give them any encouragement. Oof. They played like a team who despised their manager. They played like a team who detest his, in quotes, style of football, Rafa ball. Oh, James, wow. what do you think about that one? Savage. That, that is definitely some harsh words for a manager. There. Can you see it, though? Does he have a point? Yeah, but I don't think it, I do think the quality versus effort conversation plays a role there, and I do think it is the quality more so than the effort. That said, I think he's using guys in roles that are limiting what quality they're able to like assert onto the match. Luca Dean not really able to impact the game offensively because we decided to attack through Seamus Coleman for large stretches of the match, and. We know that Rafa is not known for his man management. He's supposed to be the tactical guy. He's supposed to be the tactical genius who's able to make these sorts of adjustments. That's his his primary reputation. He's not known as an arm-around-the-shoulder type of manager, and, and we've ha tried that. I mean, that's effectively what Carlo was known for, and he was able to get some results. But I just think you look at the domination that we had in terms of the area of the pitch in which we're possessing the ball, and we're in the final third and we're just not able to break teams down. And that to me is just a simple question of quality. You need to be able to break those teams, break, break teams down with individual quality. Yeah. I'm going to support Rafael Benitez a little bit right now, which is maybe Are a you? first ever. Well, kind of. Um, so <laughs> it's I look at this, be a butt statement. <laughs> well, I, I, I look at the Spurs match and I thought we defended really well and we were very well organized. And I like that setup, frankly, better than this one. Um, but, but the point of that was that we struggled to create things. And he screwed that up, frankly, from a personnel standpoint. I think he had the guys in the right roles relative to the scheme. The scheme. So I, I think he played the wrong system. Uh, I think that four four one one doesn't work, and I don't know why he continues to persist with it. But but the defense was sound. Uh, maybe it was them deciding to kind of concede us the ball. Uh, that that could be part of it. I like the fact that he played Gordon in in a stronger position for Gordon. I think he's a left sided player. He could be more vertical. I think he got that right. Um, I don't think he got it right attacking as much down the right, but I, I, I blame him for part of it, but I don't think we were that bad, frankly. I, I mean, yeah. we didn't create a ton, but I thought we were sound defensively. So if at this point Rafa Benitez is thinking, look, we, we don't have a lot of guys here. Let's be sound. Let's be fundamental. Maybe we'll nick one off, but you know, worst case scenario, we get a draw. And I, I thought the results were rather harsh on us. So in his defense, yeah. to some extent, the lack of quality, but the effort being there and the organization being there, would normally have resulted into a point, and I don't think everyone would have been absolutely fuming about it, um, but can't ignore the results, and that's part of it. You know, you continue to play in a knife's edge. A lot of people say the way to eliminate relegation is to play like, you know, limit chances on both sides, but that can backfire, you know, massively. I mean, that's mathematically, that's absolutely complete garbage, really, unless you have no talent. And 
you know, so it's a little bit of an unfortunate result for Benitez. So, so some of what he's saying is correct. It's just when he starts to do the massive PR sw- spinning, I don't. And, and I think some of the summary comments that our listeners had, I think, captured that pretty well as well. I mean, don't you guys agree? I mean, it seems kind of consistent with what some of our brethren are saying. Yeah, we start with uh, Jaden Sherman, regular contributor at Mr. Shermanator 8, said, definitely should have won this one. Hate to keep talking about the missing players, but 100% DCL or Richie would have been on the end of some of those passes. Is that true? At the end. Do we think? I think DCL. I mean, questions about Richarlison's utility as a striker, I think, have emerged the last few weeks. I think you would have been. Again, they're both upgrades over over Rondon. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a bit whataboutism, but I think he's right in, in thinking that we would have had. If we had higher quality strikers on the pitch, maybe higher likelihood of scoring. I think that kind of goes Yeah, the XG was probably like one. You know what I mean? I think that's reason right. to stand that a better striker is going to finish something. Uh, yeah, and I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the massive one. He just puts so much more pressure on the defense. So I think yep. that's a fair assessment. I mean, yeah. Um, the Robert Morrison at RS underscore Morrison, that one had 0-0 written all over it. We agree? Yes. Yeah, and I think that goes to what I was saying. You know, Brentford didn't do anything outside of the penalty, mostly set-piece stuff. Uh, and we missed so many chances to score and should have had a penalty of our own. Mm. True. I mean, they call that. That's a, that's a game changer, Rand, right? I mean, wasteful but more annoying because it didn't feel like the right result. Do we think the result was a little hard? Yeah. No, I mean, I, the result's not what we wanted. I wouldn't have well, wanted sure. an, uh, a, a nil-nil draw either. True. Um, Good point, And to be Alex. honest, based on what we saw... Um, you know, maybe a draw could have been fair if we actually got the penalty call, but if we're excluding, you know, the non-penalty call for us and then the penalty call for Brentford, just the match itself and how it played out, um, I think it's a pretty deserved result. The injuries yeah. are an excuse, though, in his defense in terms of how we, yeah. we approach the match. So I, I can't I can't believe I'm doing this, but I, I don't want to be too harsh on him for not being more expansive based on the players he has at his, right. at his availability, Could- right? Because, look, we, we made that excuse for Carlo all last season. That's true. But why we had to play a certain style, limited by the, the players at your disposal. Well, yeah, he got results, I, though. I just think it's that's very true. That's very true. I mean, but we also had some stinkers. And I think it's just really hard for people to look at things. Like, to look at this match in isolation, you'd say, okay, we're hard done by a deserved penalty, and then we really couldn't create. But then you look at it in the context of bottom of the form table, staring down the barrel of, of a really tough holiday Bad fixture run. December. Bad run. Like, one win in ten? Yeah, it's it's not good, and so you just kind of take it as another piece of this unfolding, very negative picture that we're seeing, and I think that's what really gets people ticked off more so than we were absolutely horrible today, and you know we're we're getting relegated off the back of this. I just I, I think if you compartmentalize it, yeah, today's not the end of the world, but it's pretty grim when we really needed these three points. Yeah, I think the reason why I remember when Silva was under the gun and we weren't getting results, but the under undercurrent performance wasn't that bad. In my yeah. mind, I was always thinking, well, we're still building towards something here. You know, I wasn't expecting Europe in year two of a massive rebuild, you know. So I felt like his leash was longer. Um, but Benitez, is that the guy you really want to go into the January window with and change everything around? And he's already made some massive changes in the physio department, and I think those were okay and reasonable. But I just, I don't see, like, we still need to build. And we kind of put off building when we hired Carlo, which was a mistake, I think. So I, I don't. I think that's probably why, and there's probably some leftover animosity. He didn't convert everyone when he got over here with his masterful PR spin of, I've lived here forever, I know what the Everton fans want, and all that other, you know, hogwash stuff. Um, 
But anyway, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm digressing. So Alan Brody at Brody in Maryland, who came back to the front with a comment on the extra time, which we always appreciate for him. So thank you, Alan, for coming back into it. He made a comment about the, you know, five minutes. Anyway, so grim. Gray best player, and he was only on for 20 minutes. Low bar, but this was Rondon's best game. Townsend, terrible. My lord, do I agree. He was really bad. Um, only positive was Keen and Godfrey composed at the back. Good to see Dukes, Alon, and Gray healthy. His point on Townsend is an important one because when we were allotted the ball, Townsend's not a good possession player. He wants to play the way Rafa does. He's a little sloppy, but it will be direct. He can serve a ball. He can shoot from distance. That's the Rafa way. So you can see where he struggles with this. Um, was Rondon good today? I mean, so uh, that's a loaded question, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's, I'll that's why I said it the way I did. <laughs> Let Stir me throw out some, some decent stats, right? So he had five shots, the most on, on the Everton team. Yeah. And he also had the highest XG. Yeah. Which probably shouldn't be surprising based on the chances we've talked about. Sure. Um, I think it was. I agree with Alan. It was his best game so far in an Everton shirt. So I guess really it comes to, you know, it comes down to whether Rondon, was he good or was he good compared to the rest of the team on the day? I would say he was good compared to the rest of the team on the day. Um, I think he was good in what he was asked to do. I, I, I continue to emphasize this. I know some people are getting mad at me about it, but like, I mean, you're asking him to do certain things. Maybe he could have made some better decisions when the ball came to him a couple times, but I, I don't know. I just, you're. I think you're still asking him to. I mean, what do you expect him to do? To receive a ball with his back to goal, turn around and play someone through for 50 yards away? I, I just, I don't think that. I would much rather have him just knocking the ball down to other people. I, I really think. And, and I don't know how many of those chances I would have said he should have scored on because his yeah. two big chances he created himself by having a good first touch. So it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to, you know, really criticize him for that. And I thought he made a great play in the Decorey header that didn't go in. Townsend, I, yeah, I just thought was dreadful. I mean, he had a couple key passes on crosses, but I just, God, I mean, he just took, didn't take care of the ball, lost it constantly. Um, I, and I think the guy needs a rest, for, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. I mean, you're running him into the ground, Rafa. I know he's your guy. It was good to see Dean take a couple set pieces today, though he didn't do himself injustice with that. It would yeah, have been... Anthony Gordon on corners, too. Oh. That was interesting. And there's been no favor between outswingers and inswingers. It's been half and half. So I can tell you what, Dean is going to get ticked about that. I mean, he can't look at himself in the mirror and say he did great on set pieces today. But I, I don't – like, that is a mistake to me. If you're going to limit the guy going forward, at least cut him a break and let him take corners. I am sorry. There's yeah. no way that Anthony Gordon is better at corner delivery than Luca Dean. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just not. I mean, that's just borderline insult. If I was Dean, I'm going to start to get ticked. Um, but really, grand scheme of things, James Gardner hits it at Gardner 91 Are we currently one of the three worst clubs in the Premier League? I mean, the form table certainly says so. Bottom. Bottom of it based on the last six matches. Winless. Don't don't really see where our next win is coming from or even our next point for that matter. I guess maybe Crystal Palace would be the obvious candidate, but it's a really tough run of fixtures. Barring some really abrupt injury recoveries, we could be staring down, you know, definitely bottom quarter of the table by Christmas. And then it's it's... Do you stick through, you know, go through the mud with Rafa and hope that he brings you out on the other side in a better spot? You look at a club like Spurs, who kind of saw the writing on the wall with Nuno and ripped the Band-Aid off. I think there's a lot of people in, in the Everton fan base right now that are feeling similarly about Rafa. I, I'm kind of undecided just because I think, you know, the destabilization at a point like this is 
is risky and risk can go one of two ways, but, uh, it, it just, I don't know who we get in. I don't know what the plan is. I think a lot of animosity right now is directed at the board, which I think is, is reasonable given the lack of transparency and that sort of thing. Yeah. That we don't have to get too far into that, but I think, you know, in times of uncertainty, you look to leadership and I don't think you can continually place the managers who are put in positions to fail. I think by the, it, by the structure of the club, I don't think you can continually walk them out and make them be your, your main PR point. You have to have some, some transparency and you look at what a club like Aston Villa do, um, their, their chairman releasing statements, going into detail about their strategy and their objectives and things like that. Yeah. It's like, I can't even possibly imagine something like that coming from Denise Barrett Baxendale or Farhad Mushiri or anyone or, or Marcel Brands for that matter. You just don't hear from them. And so it's really hard for fans to get behind what are we get behind the vision of Everton when we don't even really understand what the vision is now? Yeah, if you knew it was a project and you saw there was a destination and we were along that path, I think some people would chill out. I mean, some people would be still just beside themselves because that's how they are. Uh, but I, I just don't see this guy as like kind of a long term type person. The only thing I think is good about him is he will push some guys out of the club. Uh, unfortunately, though, I think he'll also tick off virtually everyone else at the club as well, especially if this gets more toxic. I, I see there's plenty of opportunity for results, honestly, guys. I, I'm sorry, I do. As some of these guys get back, the teams we're playing are not that good. I, I don't think we're going to do well against Liverpool, but I would argue that Benitez's setup might be more conducive to getting a result there. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to play well when we have the ball. And this reminded me of Marco Silva in many ways and the fact that I knew we'd probably go on a decent run against better teams because hopefully we'll be better structured to do that. But I see, I see issues with that, too, in terms of setup. And he just needs to get more stuff out of other people. But I'll tell you what, man. I do not want to go into January with this guy if he's on a bad run because I don't want to give him any money. And there's some thought that there won't be any money. I don't know if I entirely agree with that. But if there is any, I just – this guy has his own scouting system, his own identification piece. Brands has been kind of pushed aside. That is not the way – you run a modern club, and I'm very concerned if we give this guy any more of the reins that he'll create some level of irre irreparable or irreversible damage. There's certainly accusations that he's done that in the past. I mean, I think what he did with Napoli was very poor. I think the fans couldn't stand him. After two years, he had basically transitioned everyone out, and he's going to want to make big changes. So I, I don't know. I, I, I It's unfair to be too harsh on him, but he's not getting enough out of this team, and it's not good enough, so I can't argue that. Alex, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, have we gotten to the point where we got to consider kicking this guy to the curb and making a move? Um, that's pretty heavy, man. I mean, I I don't know if it's all his fault considering the injuries, but I'm gonna have to say no. I like I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't I don't believe so as of today specifically. I mean, it, we're on a really really bad run of form, um, which is true. We've also, I mean, as we've gone down the run of form and we were getting more and more injuries, right? I mean, we've had what, like Delph come back from injury. Um, but I think that, you know, I think he's making incorrect decisions across the pitch with systems and how he's using personnel. Um, but I also feel like if we look back at the first, you know, month, month and a half of the season, um, whether the style of play was, was, you know, different to what we were used to and we had less possession, we still looked pretty decent doing it, though. And so it kind of feels like if you get out of the, you know, the decently long rut of form that we're currently in, we get some play, you know, our main players back healthy. I mean, we really miss Dominic Calvert-Lewin more than we, we should. Then I think that we could have some positive results. Um, now, do we give him money in January? That's a, that's a, 
question for a different day, I think, because it's a little harder to answer. Um, but you know, we, we gave them essentially nothing in the summer either. So, you know, if you, if you really take everything into context, how much can we expect from the season? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair and probably a, a good place to, to wrap. I think we're frustrated and I think it's like there, there, there's this constant struggle you end up with and, it, and it, most clubs run into this situation where it's like, how long can you stomach the bad form? How much do you truly believe that, you know, you're actually a risk of at risk of relegation or, or some other serious consequences. And I'd argue that in the past, Everton have maybe pulled trigger too early and lacked patience. I think if you look at a, like someone like Marco Silva, where there was seemingly a structure in place and a plan, you could get behind the poor form, but eventually it became too much. And, and at some point, well, the transparency the wasn't there for that either. So, you know, Marco, I yeah. felt bad for him. Benitez is a little bit different. He can be the face. He'd almost rather have it be that way, or so it seems. Right. So, but, but yeah, I mean, Marco had a tough in that way, you know, and, and we didn't look good under him. So I can't argue that, too. Right. But I also don't think there's, I think there's easily three teams worse than us, assuming we're remotely healthy. So we're not I'm getting not relegated. Really... I'm not buying that yes, at all. I we're know. not, I mean, we don't need to freak out or anything for heaven's sake. I mean, I ask people, you know, you ask people for interested match reactions. They're like liquidate. The we're club. going down. I mean, that's, that's the state of the fan base right now. And I don't think we're anywhere near that. I think this is a bad run of form. I think we can still come out the other side, but I just question about like, if, if you're planning on Rafa for the long term, is that really a, a good strategic choice? And I think that the, that's up in the air, but the club um, needs to come out and say that. I, I think that is yes. the real point because this was a singular hire by one guy that no one right. was in favor of. So, can you really persist now with him in the long term? Is this an opportunity for Mashiri to say, you know what, my bad, I shouldn't go against my football people? I don't know. I I, I can't see him not wanting to be that guy. I don't know. I, I'd see there, there are a couple different ways for that's probably great material for a new episode, you know, under what possible yeah. circumstances could happen for us to get over the hump and, and start to realize the, the vision that I think most of us have or expectations we have for the future of Everton. Anyway, I digress. You know, there, there was one good thing to finish off with though, James, thank you for adding <laughs> yes. that to the document. I appreciate it. This will uh, lift everyone's spirits so high. We have from Royal Blue Mersey at RB Mersey. Everton's Goal of the Month award goes to Alex Owobi. Hey. Round of applause. Oh, we should have used the, the applause button. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Regardless, you know, the caveat to that is he scored Everton's only goal in the month of November. Of course, the derby coming up will be on, I believe, December 2nd on Wednesday. So, you know, that kind of makes it a womp. Oh, everything's womp, good now. Womp. All right, I'm good. Yeah, everything's good. But I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We hope that... We give you a little bit of comfort, a little bit of uh, something to chew on, think about. And we'll be, of course, with you following the Liverpool match. Prayers up, fingers crossed. Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Um, if you enjoyed the show, if you could leave us a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice, preferably five stars, but whatever you deem uh, accurate and fair, I would say. Uh, and if you want to find all of our social media links, et cetera, et cetera, you can find all of those at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's L-I-N-K-T-R.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Reminder to join our Discord. The link is on the link tree as well. Thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, up the toffees.